Thank you for listening today to our podcast here at Word of Life. We're delighted that you tuned in. And I pray that while you hear us talk, you hear the Holy Spirit speak. I know God's got a big plan for you. We're excited to be a part of that plan. Hopefully we will see you sometime soon, maybe even this weekend. Until then, we pray you have a wonderful, wonderful week. Anybody love Jesus in here tonight? Come on, if you're thankful, don't sit down yet. But come on, if you're thankful that God, hear me, extended you the courtesy of another year, I just want you to give them the best praise that you got tonight. Come on. If you're thankful that you're still here, come on, that you're still standing, somebody ought to just praise them because there's still breath in your body. Come on, this is the day, this is the year to give God the best praise that you got. We honor you today, God. Thank you. Thank you for being faithful. Thank you that the fact that we have a pulse is proof positive you are not through with us yet. So we stand in this new decade and this new year with ridiculous, radical expectation for all that lies in front of us. And thank you for everything that's been shut behind us. In Jesus' name. Come on, somebody give God one more hand clap of praise. Woo! I'm telling you, I sense God in here already. Already. Are you glad to be in church on the first day of the new year? Another critical question. Do you like who you're standing next to? Because if you do not, this would be a good time to change your seat, okay? <laughs> now, I want you to do me a favor. Please do not be saved and stuck up. Don't be blessed and bougie this year. I want you to do me a favor. Before you sit down, find at least three people and tell them you look good on the first day of the new year. At least three people. <laughs> Say, your resolution is already working. <laughs> Tell them they look good. Wow. It is an absolute honor and really just a distinct privilege to be back at Word of Life. Uh, I keep wondering if y'all are going to get sick of me coming, but uh, I'm telling you, I love this house. I love this church. And just, just the fact that you're in church, come on, you could be anywhere on this New Year's Day. Come on, it's proof that you love your church. How many know you're blessed to be a part of this church? Oh, you could do better than that. I'm telling you, this is amazing. I was telling Pastor Joel, just pulling up on the campus, I had the privilege of preaching actually the first Wednesday last year where y'all just moved in. I was like, I hope y'all hadn't gotten used to this building. This is beautiful. Uh, the grass does not get greener anywhere else, okay? If it, if it is, it's AstroTurf. It ain't even real. <laughs> this right here is the real deal. And I just think it's because God's favor is on you. And because you have two of the greatest leaders and most generous, kind, loving pastors on planet. And would you help me thank God for Pastor Joel and his amazing wife for how they lead you. Y'all can do better than that. Come on, let them know how much you love them. They're the best, the absolute best. And I hope y'all know I don't just say stuff to say stuff. I love them because they're just good people. You know, we live in a day and age, you know, it's almost kind of cool to be in ministry. And so some people are trying to figure out how to be a good pastor and a good leader. And I'm like, just be a good person. Just work on that one first. <laughs> and then work on trying to be a good pastor. But y'all are amazing because you're just good people. And uh, I'm honored to be here. Uh, my wife sends her love. And I got a word for somebody that's ready to hear it today. Can we just go straight to it? I, uh, I'm going to preach with everything that I got, and I really believe that this is going to speak to somebody's heart. I want you to go with me to Acts chapter 3 today. Acts chapter 3, and I want to look at verses 1 through 10. Acts chapter 3, we'll start at verse number 1, we'll land at verse number 10. Um, how many of you have never heard me preach before? Can I see your hand if you've never heard me preach? Oh, wow, quite a few of you. Okay, quick disclaimer. Uh, <laughs> I am a hollaback preacher, okay? All that means, if, if anything I say over the next six and a half hours <laughs> that we have together, if it is resonating with you, you can say amen, you can say preach that, you can say, mm, that was good. Even if what I'm saying is not good, say amen, you'll make me think it's good, it'll get better. So, 
get verbally involved, and I, I bring you greetings. I live in the great country of Texas, and uh, married to Taylor Madu. We have three kids, and uh, we're going to have fun tonight. We're going to have fun. Acts chapter 3, we'll start at verse number 1. When you're ready to read it, say, yeah. If you need a little time to find it, say, hold on. Oh, I heard one faint, hold on. <laughs> I'm going to wait for you. Acts chapter 3, starting in verse number 1, and it declares, one day. It's already good. One day, Peter and John were going up to the temple at the time of prayer at three in the afternoon. Now a man who was lame from birth was being carried to the temple gate called Beautiful, where he was put every day to beg from those going into the temple courts. When he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for money. And Peter looked straight at him, as did John. Then Peter said, Look at us. So the man gave them his attention, expecting to get a little something-something from them. Peter said, silver or gold, I do not have. First thing out of Pete's mouth was, I ain't got it. How many know, unfortunately, that right there is where most people get stuck in life. Most people get stuck because they are fully aware of what they do not have. In fact, I found that the enemy is proficient at reminding you of what you do not have. Are y'all gonna leave me out here by myself? I'm the only one. <laughs> Ever been scrolling through the gram or been on Facebook, if you're still on there, TikTok, whatever, and just heard the enemy in your ear saying, you ain't got that, you ain't got that. Ooh, you ain't never gonna have that. You ain't even got the credit score for that. He loves to tell you what you don't have. And if you're entering this year, this decade, fully aware of what you don't have, that's the, where the enemy is going to get the victory. But I'm glad that Peter did not stop at what he did not have. He goes, but what I do have. Whew, thank God for that comma. He goes, but what I do have. Pete goes, don't get it twisted. I got something. And I can only give you what I have. What I do have, I give you. And I'm not even giving it in my name. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. And taking him by the right hand, he helped him up. And instantly the man's feet and ankles became strong. He jumped to his feet and began to walk. Then he went with them into the temple courts, walking and jumping and praising God. And when all the people saw him walking and praising God, they recognized him. They said, hold up. As the same man who used to sit begging at the temple gate called Beautiful, and they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. Can you say amen? Oh, come on. That is good all by itself. It's good stuff. That's why I don't do drugs. I do scripture. I want you to do me a favor. I want you to look at your neighbor, and I want you to tell your neighbor my title, and I want you to say it with some authority and say it with some unction. Just look at your neighbor, whichever one you like the best. And just say, neighbor. Oh, some of y'all didn't talk to your neighbor. You kept looking at me. You know I can see you. Come on. <laughs> Come on, look at your neighbor and say, neighbor, neighbor. I'm not stuck, I'm not stuck. anymore. anymore. Ooh, find you another neighbor. Find you another neighbor. Come on, look at your other neighbor and say, other neighbor, you my second option. But I got to tell you too, it's a new year, it's a new decade, and I'm not stuck anymore. Now, I dare you to give God some praise like you really believe that thing, right? Not stuck anymore. More. Let's pray. Long prayer. Bear with me. Would you bow your heads? God, you're amazing. Speak to us today. Amen. Not stuck anymore. Word of Life fam, has anybody been to an airport lately? Can I see your hand if you've been to an airport lately? Or quite a few of you. If you lifted up your hand, then you are fully aware of the fact that what I basically just asked was, has anybody been to purgatory lately? <laughs> anybody been to hell and back lately? <laughs> Come on, if you're honest, how many of you know it can sometimes be very stressful to travel? In fact, for me, after almost 15 years now, 15 years of full-time traveling itinerant ministry, and I'm now encroaching upon some three and a half million miles flown, I am fully convinced, fully convinced, that if you really want to test your faith, 
book a flight. Just book you a flight, okay? <laughs> if you really think you're full of the spirit, fly spirit, and then come holler at your boy because <laughs> it is hard in these traveling streets. In fact, the Bible says, the Bible says that the fruit of the spirit, the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness. Don't forget the last one, self-control. <laughs> If you are a believer, then that fruit should be evident in your life. However, if you're here tonight or you're watching online and you're like, man, Robert, I got all that fruit, but you've never flown before? How do I say this? I don't believe you. <laughs> I do not believe you because the airport is designed to suck the fruit of the Spirit out of you. The whole airport system is orchestrated to make you lose your sanity and your Christianity. People, the lost baggage claim desk <laughs> the lost baggage claim desk is really to me just a test to see if you won't say words that you're not supposed to say. Yes, yes, the reason the person behind the counter is moving at a glacial pace and is typing one word per minute and seems to be undisturbed and unperturbed by the fact that you paid them a fee to lose your bag. It's because that person wants to giggle on the inside when they make you go off in public and speak in a tongue that needs no interpretation. Any real people in here today, I'm just saying, it's stressful to travel. So over the years, Pastor Joel, I've developed what I call Robert's Rules of Flying. Okay, I won't bore you with all of them, but I'll just give you one. I do nonstop flights only, okay? I am not about that connection life. I'm a nonstop ninja. Just take me from Dallas to my destination, nonstop flights only. The problem with my rule is the reality that there are just some places in life that if you're going to go, you will have to stop and make a connection. Oh, that'll preach. I might say that again later. So the challenge for me is when my departing flight is late and I got to connect in another city. And by the time I get to the connecting city, I now have 1.5 minutes to get to the next gate. And to add to that, I landed at gate A1. But my connecting gate is at gate Z99. And I got 1.5 minutes to get to gate Z99. Word of life, fam, at this point, I only got three options, okay? I can miss my flight, ain't gonna happen. I can call for that cute little cart to carry me there, ain't gonna happen, I'm a grown man. Or I can put my Orange Theory fitness to the test and run with everything I got, like Usain Bolt and Forrest Gump, just trying to make this flight. This happened to me a few weeks ago in Chicago. I am running with everything I got, just trying to get to gate Z99. But sometimes as I'm running through the airport, I will see something in the distance. Oh, I will see something that reminds me of the goodness of our God. I will see something that lets me know that God is still in the miracle working business. I'll see something that lets me know that God can do exceedingly, abundantly, above all you may ask or think. I will see one of those, wait for it, moving walkways. Have you ever seen those before? Those moving walkways. Well, I'm about to have because I love a moving walkway. Because to me, to me, that moving walkway is just like having the favor of God on your life. Because when you start walking on that moving walkway, how many know it will expedite your journey? It'll get you there quicker than you could have in your own strength, in your own ability or agility. I love a moving walkway. The only problem now with the moving walkway, my only issue with the moving walkway, my only frustration with the moving walkway are the people on the moving walkway who refuse to move. What is wrong with you? Why are you standing on the moving walkway? Oh, this one, I came to Mississippi to talk about this right here. This is a huge issue in our nation that nobody is talking about. These people standing on the moving walkway. You want my vote in 2020? Take care of these people who are standing on the moving walkway. It's your big old suitcase that should have been checked, just standing. <laughs> on the moving walkway. Yes, yes, it's gotten so bad they had to put up a sign for segregation. You've seen the sign, right? It says, stand left, walk right. Only problem is the moving walkway is only this big. So I wish they would put up a new sign, walk left, stand, go home, and never fly again in your life. 
just frustrating. <laughs> People standing in the moving walkway. And I think my frustration with you people who are here today it's, it's not that you're standing. It's not that you're standing. If you were standing in any other place in the airport, I would be cool with it. I think my frustration stems from the fact that you have brought stagnation on a mechanism that was created for movement. I think my frustration comes from the fact that you have brought stagnation and stuckness to something that was actually designed to move you faster and further than you could in your own ability. And anytime you have stagnation in a place that was created for movement, you will always have frustration. Oh, always have frustration. Ladies and gentlemen, this is traffic. Come on, I don't mind sitting down for an hour looking out of a glass window, listening to the radio if I'm in my house. That's catching a vibe. I do not want to do it on the highway and bumper to bumper traffic. How is it that I am cool to sit in my house on the couch in the same spot and not move for hours? I can give me a good Netflix series in. But if I'm on the runway on a plane at DFW and we just sitting on the runway for a good hour, please believe after that first hour, I'm going to hijack that plane and try to giddy up this thing just a little bit because if I'm on the runway, I want to take off. If I'm in an elevator, I better be moving. If I'm in a car, I want to go somewhere because stagnation in the place created for movement always produces frustration. And I'm wondering today if the reason you are secretly frustrated with your life and how last year went is because you know that your life has become stagnant when God created you for movement. Oh, I'm going somewhere tonight. Could it be possible, even plausible, that the reason you are frustrated with where you are is because your life has become stagnant when God created you for movement? You do know that God is a God of movement. In fact, 2020 is the year where God is trying to move you and push you into the places that he's already prepared for you. You know he's always trying to take you from faith to faith. He is always trying to take you from strength to strength, from glory to glory, because he's a God of movement. Oh, that's why the Bible says that the steps of the righteous, the steps of the, not the stuckness, not the stagnation, the steps of the righteous are ordered by the Lord. Why does God only order steps? Because he expects your life to be moving somewhere. He did not create you to get stuck. He is a God of movement. Oh, all the way from the book of Genesis, if I could back that thing up. The first thing God shows us is that he's a God of movement. All the way from Genesis chapter 1. Some of you are like, give us the scripture for that, Robert. I'll give you the scripture. Genesis chapter 1 says, in the beginning, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, and the earth was without form and void, and darkness covered the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God was moving over the face of the waters. The first thing God wanted you to know about his character in Genesis is that I'm a God that moves on your behalf. Everything he made, it had to move. In fact, to me, creation was just the commencement of a symphony where God, the cosmic conductor, pulls out his omnipotent baton and just began this melody of movement because everything he made had to move. Everything he created, it had a cadence. It had a pace. Nothing got the luxury of stagnation. Everything he made, it had to get to moving. He said, let there be light. <sighs> Put the whole solar system in place. And once everything was set, he goes, oh, yeah, y'all can't be still. Get to moving. And all of a sudden, the whole solar system, it just started moving immediately. Even right now, we're moving. You know we're moving right now. The earth is moving. You can't feel it, but we are moving right now. See, that's why this year, you got to stop judging what God is doing in your life just because you don't feel it. Because even when you can't see it, he's moving. Even when you can't feel it, he's working. This has nothing to do with your feelings. Everything to do with your faith. Everything he made and had to move. Said, let there be water. <sighs> Created water and told the water to get to moving. No, water, you can't stay still. That's mosquitoes. Water, get to moving. <laughs> And the water started moving. Every animal he made had to move. Looked at the cheetah and told the cheetah, get to moving. Can you see the cheetah? 
everything he made, it had to move. He created a turtle and had the nerve, the audacity to tell a turtle to get to move. The turtle was like, God, I'm an introvert. I don't want to come out of my shell. He's like, no, you still got to get to move. You ain't got to be as fast as a cheetah, but you still got to move too. And here comes the turtle. Everything God made, it had to move. He reached down in some dirt and created man, breathed into him the breath of lives. And guess what the heart started doing? It started moving. That's when you go for your yearly checkup. That's why the doctor puts in his headphones and he starts listening. He's trying to hear the same beat that began in the beginning. And if there's irregularities in the movement, in the beat, that means there's something wrong in your body. See, this is why I give God the best praise that I got, especially on a new year, because I'm just thankful. Even if life ain't perfect, I'm just glad I got another day. I'm just glad I got another year. That's why the Bible says, let everything that has breath praise. Oh, somebody just needs to take a New Year praise break and just praise God because your heart is still beating in your chest. Some people didn't even make it to 2020, but you're still here. And that's the best praise you're going to give God. I dare you to open up your mouth and praise him because you still stand. Hallelujah. praise him because my heart's still beating in my chest. That alone is enough for me to give him glory. Everything God made, oh, it had to move. You don't believe God's a God of movement? You don't believe God's a God of movement? People, two-thirds of his name is go. Some of you get that tomorrow. He's a God of movement. He defeated death, hell, and the grave. He's about to ascend up to heaven. But before he leaves, the disciples are like, hold up. Can we get like a last word, like a great commission? He's like, oh, you want a commission? All right. Go! (laughs) Into all the world and preach the gospel to every living creature, making disciples of every nation. God is a God of movement. The challenge, the problem occurs because we have a God who is a God of movement, but humanity We have this tendency and this propensity to always get stuck. Have you noticed this about us? Oh, we love to get stuck. It's like it's in our DNA to get stuck in routines and systems. I'm not even talking about sin. I'm just talking about practical stuff. Like you generally sit in the same seat. In the same section, whenever you come in the sanctuary, come on, it's been a whole year you've been sitting on the same side. You want to check out this side of the sanctuary in 2020? Just the same seat, same section. and got a nerve to get an attitude of somebody sitting in your seat that you're usually sitting like, don't she know I've been sitting here the last three months? No, it's cool. I go over here. Just systems of getting stuck. The kids already know where you're going to go for lunch on Sunday after church because you go to the same for a restaurant. You on vacation. You think the Cheesecake Factory in Chicago different than the one in L.A.? The same restaurants? You don't even know the coffee shop right around the corner from the one you frequent has much better espresso, and you'll never know because you go to the same coffee shop. Oh, and I'm not hating on having systems and routines. I'm just saying we have this tendency to get stuck before you realize it. You don't even realize I'm in the same system. In fact, I would even argue theologically that all that is wrong with the world today is because Adam and Eve got stuck. They didn't keep it moving. They got stuck at the wrong tree, listening to the wrong voice, so they made the wrong choice, and now we are reaping the ramifications of a decision they made when they got stuck. Oh, they got stuck in Genesis chapter 3, but my text today is in Acts chapter 3. We have a man who is stuck. But the reason I bring up Genesis chapter 3, I hope I don't bore you tonight, because there is a synergy between Acts chapter 3 and Genesis chapter 3. If we look at Acts chapter 3 just at a micro level, which we will do, you're going to see a man who is lame, excuse me, lame from birth. All of a sudden, he's in front of the temple gate begging. And one day, Peter and John, full of the Holy Spirit, lift him up to his feet. He goes into the temple praising God. But if we broaden the lens of this text, keeping Genesis 3 in mind, and look at it from a macro level, I submit to you that this man is really just a picture of the spiritual condition of humanity. Because how many know spiritually, 
We were born lame. This is what Adam and Eve did when they were disobedient. They made all of humanity spiritually lame. Please believe you were lame from birth. <laughs> Came into the world lame. Some of you are like, uh-uh, I'm a really good person. No, you lame. As lame as all get out. Your righteousness is lame. If I say it the way I feel it, your righteousness is ratchet. You just born spiritually lame. And I'll prove it to you. Have you noticed nobody has to teach you how to lie? No, for real, what class did you take on selfishness? No, at two, you perfected the art of mine. Just in your DNA, all of us just born lame. This is what sin did. It made us narcissistic, individualistic, selfie-saturated people. We had no access to the presence of God. So when Peter and John lifted that man up that day, it's a picture of what the cross did for you and I. How many are thankful that the cross of Jesus Christ, it lifted us up. It gave strength to our spirit. So now you don't have to be a spiritual beggar. But how many are thankful? that you are a child, you are a son, you are a daughter of the Most High God. You are who God says that you are. That's why you can come in here praising God, not because you're perfect, because you're lame, but because a perfect Savior paid the price for your sins. You are worthy to approach the throne of grace with confidence. So there is a synergy between Acts chapter 3 and Genesis chapter 3, but in Genesis chapter 3, when Adam and Eve took of that forbidden fruit, immediately, all of humanity got stuck. All of us got stuck. And I know that's not the way it happened, but can I give you insight to my exegetical imagination? It's not like in the Bible. But I think when Adam and Eve took of that forbidden fruit, they got stuck. That immediately, God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit called an executive trinity team meeting in heaven. There's three people but one person there all at the same time. God the Father, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit. And they look down and God the Father sees Adam and Eve. And he's like, oh, y'all see what I see? They stuck. You know they can't get themselves out. So one of y'all going to have to go down there and get them out. And immediately Jesus looks at the Holy Spirit and goes, well, can nobody move like you? So why don't you go down there and get them out? And the Holy Spirit's like, nah, 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 nah. Don't play, Jesus. Don't play. You know, I'm Acts chapter 2. You Matthew chapter 1. Don't try to jack up the Bible, Jesus. Nah, 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 nah. You the Savior. You the Savior. You go down there and get him out. Jesus like, you're right. You're right. I'm tripping. I'm tripping. And Jesus gets on the balcony of heaven, the balcony of heaven, and he jumps off the balcony of heaven. It was a 42-generation jump, and he lands in the womb of a virgin named Mary. I'm at Christmas. And all of a sudden, Mary starts feeling weird. And she says, Joseph, we need to talk. Her fiance. And Joseph's like, yeah, we need to talk. Why you been so distant lately? You don't want to get married anymore? And Mary's like, no, Joseph is not that. You know I love you. It's just, oh, I don't even know how to tell you this. I don't even know how to tell you. Just give me your hand. Give me your hand. Takes Joseph by the hand, puts it on her stomach, and Joseph goes, whoa. Something just moved. She goes, yeah, that's what he does. All of a sudden, there is tension in their relationship. So she calls her pregnant cousin Elizabeth and says, I got to see you right now. And Mary takes an Uber to her pregnant cousin Elizabeth's house. And when she steps out the Uber, she meets her pregnant cousin Elizabeth, and they both waddle up on each other like two penguins in Alaska meeting for the very first time. And Elizabeth goes, girl, you ain't going to believe this. I've not felt my baby move in months but as soon as you hopped out of that uber girl my baby started kicking and rolling around I don't know what's on the inside of you but it's making my baby move on the inside of me and Mary goes yeah that's what he does all of a sudden Elizabeth goes I cannot believe you took an uber down here girl you are pregnant and Mary goes yeah and the uber driver was weird too Elizabeth goes what was his name Mary goes John Elizabeth goes hmm I like that name fast forward 30 years later John the Baptist is baptizing people in the Jordan River and please believe that the water is still moving from the same cadence of creation and John almost drowns a dude in the water because he looks in the distance and says behold the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world this is the one I was telling y'all about I'm baptizing y'all with water but he's gonna baptize you with fire and with the Holy Spirit oh I wish I had a church in here all of a sudden Jesus and John meet in the water with the water rushing between their legs. And one of John's disciples low-key looks at him and goes, yo, you know this dude? And John's like, yes, I know this dude. He is the dude. 
And what's crazy is the first time we met, we were in water. Now we meeting again in water. This must be a destiny moment. I gotta decrease so that he may increase. He baptizes Jesus. The heavens open up. A voice comes from heaven. This is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. All of a sudden Jesus starts moving in the earth, healing the sick, raising the dead. He goes to the cross, defeats sin, gets up from the grave, defeats death, and ascends back to heaven. And the Trinity executive team meeting is readjourned. And the Holy Spirit and God the Father look at Jesus and go, man, you killed that thing. And Jesus goes, you know, I did the best that I could. And all of a sudden, they look at the Holy Spirit and say, it's your turn now. Holy Spirit goes, I know, I know, I know. And the Holy Spirit gets on the same balcony of heaven, jumps off the balcony, but lands in the upper room, Acts chapter 2. And suddenly, a sound as a mighty rushing wind began to fill that place as some believers were waiting with expectation for God. God to show up and they all got filled with the Holy Spirit began to speak in tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance and they got power to be his witnesses to Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria and to the ends of the earth. I just gave you the whole Bible like in 10 minutes but no it's cool just sit there it's cool <laughs> and in that room in that room was Peter and John now I'm at my text Peter and John leave that prayer meeting and said, we just got power to be his witnesses to Jerusalem, Samaria, Judea, to the ends of the earth. We better start at Jerusalem. So Peter and John, watch this, start walking to Word of Life Church together. <laughs> Maybe on the first Sunday of the year for a prayer meeting. Can you see them? Peter <laughs> and John going to church together to pray. <laughs> Peter. And John, together, <laughs> walking to church to pray. Peter and John. Quick question. Why are these two dudes still hanging out? You realize they do not have to hang out anymore. Jesus has already ascended to heaven. The only thing that connected them was that Jesus handpicked them. He selected them to be one of his disciples. They do not have to hang out anymore. Peter and John, together, <laughs> going to church. You realize this is a walking contradiction. Peter and John. One of these things is not like the other. Peter and John. Okay, let me explain. Peter is much older. John is younger. Let me bring it to the 21st century. Uh, Peter is a baby boomer. John is a millennial. So now I'm going to uh, John walking, checking his Snapchat. Peter still on Facebook. Peter? And John, going to church to get one of these things is not like the other. People, John is an introvert. He's very pensive. He thinks before he speaks. Peter is an extrovert. He's going to say something crazy and then apologize later. You know, my bad. I didn't mean to say that. He always putting his foot in his mouth. Peter, people, John is a lover. Peter is a cusser. When John got ready to express his love and his loyalty to Jesus, Homeboy would just put his head on the chest of Jesus. Read your Bible. He loved to cuddle with Jesus. Peter, when he got ready to express his love and loyalty to Jesus, homeboy put out a knife, a switchblade, and cut a dude's ear all the way off. Jesus had to heal it real quick. Like, what are you doing, man? Peter's like, I'm with you. I don't know about these other disciples, but I'm with you, Jesus. I'm right at <laughs> trying to figure out how a gangster and Gandhi are walking to church together. Peter! They are a walking contradiction. Oh. Maybe that's the point. Maybe that's the point. It's a method to my madness. You understand, the healing of this lame man is the first miracle after the birth of the New Testament church. So this is not an ordinary miracle. This is a prototype miracle by which God is trying to show the church today the pattern by which his power can move in the earth. And perhaps the reason Peter and John are walking together as a walking contradiction is because God is still trying to get the church today to realize that what the culture calls a contradiction, the kingdom calls collaboration. Oh, what the culture 
sees as the greatest place of division and contradiction. How many know in the kingdom of God, it is the greatest place of collaboration? Come on, this is what makes the church the church, that we can come in here today with all of our contradictions on the surface, but how many know if we can collaborate and agree that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father and that broken people need to be healed and restored? Come on, that's how lame people will get up. Oh, I'm telling you, our power is not in our similarities. Our power is actually in our differences and our ability to connect and collaborate in spite of the contradiction. Oh, but it's a trick of the enemy to get us to focus on the contradiction so we'll never collaborate. So we got churches falling apart because the old people are saying, I can't stand these young people with their loud music. They just want to sit up there and drink Starbucks. And the young people, I can't stand these old people with their soft music and their hymns. They don't want to let us live. And all this contradiction, I'm a Democrat, I'm a Republican, I'm independent. And all the contradictions. But I'm telling you what the culture calls a contradiction. In the kingdom, it is collaboration. You understand the enemy is not afraid of a big church. Got churches everywhere. He is not afraid of a big church, but he is afraid of a united church. And if we could collaborate in spite of the contradiction, wonder how many lame people would get up. Wonder how many people would be healed and restored. 2020, start focusing on the collaborations because God might actually bring somebody in your life to be a blessing and they might not look like you, walk like you, talk like you, or vote like you, but yet they will be sent by God to be a divine collaboration for you to do something in the earth. Isn't it crazy? I got to hurry that the first miracle of the New Testament church was a collaboration between one disciple that had a big heart, John, and another disciple that had a big mouth, Peter. <laughs> and maybe it was, maybe it was John's compassion that noticed the lame man, but it took Peter's courage to go, hey, bro, get up. Now, for real, ain't nobody going to feel sorry for you. Get up. Man, I still got a knife in my pocket. Get up. <laughs> and John's like, oh, Peter, love. <laughs> collaboration. We need each other. Collaboration. Can't just talk about Peter and John and this lame man because really the star of the text is the lame man. Whenever I preach a passage like this, Pastor Brian, give you insight to my preaching. Not yet, not yet. I'm just, I'll just give you a shout out. I'm just gonna tell you when I preach, I, uh, <laughs> I will lay on the floor like this, even if it's just for a moment, because I want to feel who I'm preaching about what they had to face. Can you think even in our current context, we don't understand what many of our disabled brothers and sisters have to face. Can you imagine in biblical antiquity, no hover-rounds, no wheelchairs. It was the epitome of being stuck. Somebody dropped you off, you better get comfortable. You're going to be there for a while. And I thought about this. The only thing that didn't work in this man's life, the only thing that didn't work were his legs. Everything else worked. Mind could think, cognitive aptitude, heart could beat. Homeboy probably had good teeth. All those faculties were intact. And yet all the good things were shut down because one thing didn't work. One thing affected everything. It affected his economy. He's got to beg now. It affected his relationships, his social construct. Because how many know when you're stuck and you're lame, the only other people you can talk to are other stuck people. You know why? Because lame recognize lame. <laughs> Just stuck. And the only thing that didn't work were his legs. Everything else worked, but one thing affected everything else. Some of you in this new year, I'm going to help you cut your new year's resolution list because you think you have all these problems and all these things you need to fix. No, you just got one. Your procrastination is affecting every area of your life. Your inability to focus is affecting every area of your life. Your bad attitude is affecting every area of your life because one thing can affect so many things. And you know, when you're stuck for a while, you start developing what I call systems of stuckness. You know what you got to do to get around? Because you're not ever going to get up. It's systems of stuckness. You start having stuck conversations. 
with other stuck people. You ever had a stuck conversation with another stuck person? You can talk to them now, talk to them next year. It's still going to be the same conversation. <laughs> hey, bro, what you going to do today? Man, I'm probably going to lay here for a little bit. Yeah, I'm going to do the same thing. Just stuck conversation. Anybody know I've been there? You ever just been stuck in stuck relationships? But how many have ever been stuck but experienced the power of God raising you up? Oh, come on. Maybe it's through coming in church. Maybe God gave you a word and all of a sudden you realize I will never think that way again. I will never be the same again. Come on. Isn't a beautiful thing when you've been stuck and God raises you up? Oh, the only problem is, is you have relationships with all those stuck people. And you try, don't you, to go back and have those same relationships, but the jokes aren't funny anymore. You're trying to figure out how they still talking about that. You still trying to turn up in the club. You 45 years old. Just the same conversations. It's not the same anymore. You're trying to figure out what in the world did I ever have in common with you? And then they got the nerve to look at you and go, mm, seem like you changed. Yeah, seem like you changing. Yeah, seem like you different. I'm different, but seem like you changing. Like it's a bad thing. How many know that is the point of life to be changing? If you're not changing, you are not living. That is the point of life. I don't want to be who I always was. Is there anybody in here that says in 2020, I want to be every single thing that God has created me to be? Somebody give him some praise in here today. You better believe I'm changing. This is my year to change. Now, it seems like you're changing. Yeah, that's the point. Now, it seems like something different. Now, you stuck up. No, I'm not stuck up. I'm up. You stuck. That's why we don't have nothing to talk about. <laughs> systems. Systems of stuckness. And the thing that drew me to this text, and, and all that was my introduction, um, <laughs> I'm being honest, the thing that, that drew me to the text, and I never saw this before, is the Bible says that this man was brought in front of the temple gate, please don't miss this, every day. I miss that. They didn't just drop him in the church parking lot, if you will, on Sunday or first Wednesday. They brought him every day. So if they dropped him every day, that means there are two people in this text that nobody ever preaches about. If they dropped him every day? There are two, everybody talks about Peter and John, but if they dropped him in front of church every day, there are two other people in this passage that nobody ever preaches about, and they are here at Word of Life today. Now I want you to come up and worship team join me too. See, everybody talks about, come up here. Oh, y'all got to go there? Come here. Yeah, come quick. <laughs> worship team join me. Everybody talks about the lame man, lame man. I ain't never seen a lame man stand. Lame man, lame man. Yes, thank you. <laughs> it's going to be a long illustration now. I'm lame man. Everybody talks about the lame man. Let's come a little closer into the light. Everybody talks about the lame man. Everybody talks about Peter and John. But the Bible says he got dropped every day. So if he got dropped every day, how come everybody talks about Peter and John, but nobody talks about y'all? How come I nobody talks about... Billy and Bob, because he got dropped every day. Do you know what every day means? That means Sunday, they picked him up. Come pick him up. You just grab his legs. You grab him. They, they, yeah. they, dropped, they carried him. Come over here. They carried him in front of the church. They would drop him in front of the church. He would hold out his imaginary cup. Just hold out a cup. Hold out his cup and beg. They would go to work, do whatever they had to do. <clears throat> After they went to work, they would come back, maybe about 5 o'clock, pick him right back up. After they would pick him up, then they would drop him at his house. After they dropped him at his house, then they would go back home. That's Sunday, Monday morning. Here they come back. They pick him up. Go fast, go fast. Pick him up. They drop him in front of the church. He would hold out his cup and beg. They went to work, did whatever they had to do, came right back about 5 o'clock, picked him right back up. After they picked him up, they would drop him off at his house, and then they would go back home. That's Monday, Tuesday morning. Ding dong, here come Billy and Bob. Pick him right back up, 
drop him in front of church. He would hold out his cup and bed. They went to work, did whatever they had to do, came right back about five o'clock, picked him right, you didn't know he was working out in church today, picked him right back up, dropped him off, and then they would go back home. Wednesday, here they come. No, I'm playing, I'm playing. I'm just trying to show you the laborious nature of every day. We didn't even get to Friday. They both are sweating right now. <laughs> every day. So I hope I'm not bringing my own presupposition to this passage. But maybe, and y'all can play, make it sound real spiritual. Watch this. <laughs> maybe, maybe the first week they did it out of the kindness of their heart. No, they go to Word of Life Church. They did it for a month. A month every day. Pick them up, dropping them off. But I think after a month of every day, every day, I think one of those days they picked them up. They dropped them off in front of the church. He would hold out his cup and beg. They went to work, did whatever they had to do. They would come right back to pick him up. Hold on. He's been begging all day. That cup is not empty. And y'all been working hard. And come on, even Uber and Lyft ain't free. Come on, I think you should get your cut. Get your cut. Come on, get your cut. Yeah, get your cut. Don't take that much. Put some back. Don't be, don't be greedy. Now you got your cut. Now pick him back up. Since you got your cut, and boy, he's lighter now, ain't he? <laughs> Drop him off. And then they went back home. And how many know Billy and Bob are whistling on their way back home? But just come back here and pause real quick because I want you to see that now we have collaborators to a sick system of somebody who is stuck. How many know at this point, Billy and Bob don't want him to be healed. Oh, they don't want him to be whole. It would affect their pockets. They have become the beneficiaries of his stuckness and of his dysfunction. And the reason I brought Billy and Bob to the first service of the new year is to tell somebody that when you are stuck and especially at the edge of a new year, you have got to check your circle because God will make sure that there are Peter and Johns in your life that are trying to pull you up into your purpose and pull you up into your destiny. But how many know there will also be some Billies and Bobs who want you to stay broken, who want you to have low self-esteem, who don't want you to know who you really are in Christ because they developed a codependent relationship? to your brokenness and to your stuckness. So this is the year to check your circle and make sure there's no Billy and Bobs that are benefiting from your past season of stuckness. And some of y'all sit next to Billy and Bob and you can't say anything right now, but just blink at me and just let me know. Because this year, you can't stay stuck anymore. Thank you so much. Later, we will find out that that system, watch this, that system of getting picked up and getting dropped off, hear me, that went on for 40 years. 40 years. Can you imagine? 40 years of every day. Get picked up. Hold out my cup. Make a few bucks. Give them their cut. Go back home. 40 years. Get picked up. Hold out my cup. Make a few bucks. Give them their cut. Go back home. After 40 years, you're just a robot. Going through the motions. Get picked up. Hold out my cup. You know you're stuck when you stop looking up. No hope, no expectation. Get picked up. Hold out my cup. Make a few bucks. Give them their cut and go home. Some of you, I'm describing your life. You just call it your job. Go to work. Make a few bucks. Give the IRS their cut. Go back home. 
Is that why God created you? No, he came that you might have life and life more abundantly. And on the first Wednesday of this new year, how many are thankful that God wants to do to you what Peter and John did to that man? Because after every day of 40 years of going through the same routine, the same system, how many are thankful for one day? That's why I started shouting when it said one day. Because I believe that this year is somebody's one day. God says no longer are you going to go through that system of being and stuck one day Peter and John full of the Holy Spirit said look at us and they broke his system of being stuck is there anybody in here that says God 2020 I give you permission to break every routine break every cycle break every system of me being stuck so I can get up and walk in all that you have for me this is the year of the open door but God says I gotta wreck your routine so you can walk into it oh somebody get up on your feet and give God the best praise you got if you're ready to walk into that door I'm not stuck anymore hallelujah in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth walk in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth walk in 2020 walk into what God has for you I love it. The Bible says that even before he got up, that he had to look at them. Peter made him look because he had to get his attention. He had to get his attention. That's what God is doing to somebody in here today. Everything you're going through is God trying to get your attention. Because before he can exceed your expectation, he's got to get your attention. And if he could just get your attention, look at us. He looked. Then he said, in the name of Jesus Christ, walk. And he got up, and I love it. He started running and leaping and praising God and went all the way into the church, jumping and praising God. And can you see the people that were already in the temple that day that were having regular kumbaya church? And here comes this dude walking in, talking about, hallelujah! Every time I see it, he's working. And they looking, talking about, oh, it does not take all that. You need to calm down. And here he comes, talking about, hallelujah! Thank you, Jesus! Some of y'all laughing, I'm in churches all the time, and you would be shocked at how some people roll their eyes and suck their teeth when they see somebody giving God an exuberant praise, uh, just going crazy. But I've learned, I've learned, don't ever judge somebody's praise. You don't know how long they were stuck. You don't know what God pulled them out of. Some of us know where we were last year. Some of us know we could be in an insane asylum. Some of us know how far God has brought us from. Hallelujah. He started jumping and praising. And I love it in the middle of him praising. In the middle of them hating. They were looking, going, oh, he needs to calm down. What is wrong with him? We don't take all that. And all of a sudden they looked and said, wait, wait, wait a minute. Hold up. Hold up. I've seen those feet before. They recognized him as the same man that used to sit back here. Ooh, do you know what I love about being stuck? The only beauty about being stuck is that God in his grace will let you get up. And if getting up wasn't enough, God will make sure that the same people that saw you in your lame season will have to see you in your leaping season so they'll have a point of reference. The same people that saw you depressed last year go see you with joy and a smile on your face this year. The same people that saw your marriage fall apart is going to see God bring it back together. The same people that saw you get evicted go see you walking in your brand new house. This is what God does. Hallelujah. They recognized him as the same man who used to sit at the temple gate called Beautiful. That man stuck and it started a revival in that city. It started about Peter and John just used them as a pulpit and just started preaching. And thousands of people got saved. 
they're just propped up on them. Peter and John got sent to prison because of this dude's stuckness and healing. And I love it because they went all the way into the prison and they got out the prison and God made sure they had a public court date. They aired it on Judge Judy. I want you to see it. Acts chapter 4. I'm done after this. I want to show you the power of being stuck. Can y'all put up that verse in Acts chapter 4? That verse I said, it says, this is the court case. They had Peter and John brought before them and they began to question them. By what power, what name did you do this? Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, rulers and elders of the people, if we are being called to account today for an act of kindness shown to a man who was lame and are being asked how he was healed, then know this, you and all the people of Israel, it is by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, but whom God raised from the dead, that this man stands before you healed. Jesus is the stone you builders rejected, which has become the cornerstone. There is salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to mankind by which we must be saved. When they saw the courage of Peter and John, oh, look at John got some courage, collaboration, and realized they were unschooled, ordinary men. They were astonished, and they took note that these men had been with Jesus, but since they could see the man who had been healed standing there with them, here comes the mic drop, there was nothing they could say. Woo! That means God says, I can do a miracle so good in your life that all you have to say is, somebody say, I'm not stuck anymore. This is my year to walk in what God has for me. I didn't come to hype you up. But I did come to give you a prophetic word that this is your year to step out of stuckness and to walk in the open door that God has for you. If you believe that and you agree with it, give God some praise in here today. I'm going to ask every head be bowed. I'm going to ask all eyes be closed. If you're here today, you just be so honest and say, Pastor Robert, I know this word on this first day of this new year is for me. Some of you are honest, you've been stuck in systems and routines. Some of you, even as I was preaching, you know exactly who Billy and Bob is. And God says that relationship cannot go into this new year and this new decade. If you're here today and you be so honest and say, I know this is for me and today. I'm giving God my attention and I'm giving him permission to break my routine so I can step out of the stuck. If that's you, would you just lift up your hand and say, Lord, this word is for me and I receive it. I receive it. I'm going to do what's necessary. Whatever you speak in these next few days, some of you make sure your ear is attentive to what God speaks over these next few days. Do not miss a Sunday in this church. I'm telling you, he's going to give you clear direction as to what is next to step out of that stuckness. Lift it up, you can put it right back down. Thank you, Jesus. Head still bowed, eyes still closed. If you're here today, you've never surrendered your life to Jesus. Come on, I can think of honestly no better day than the first day of the year where people all over the world are trying to make resolutions that they're gonna drop by the 15th. You can actually have a transformation, something new. And here's the beautiful thing. The work has already been done. Jesus paid the price. He knew you couldn't get yourself unstuck. And you know you can't get yourself unstuck. Come on, if you could fix yourself, you would have done it by now. You need a savior. And you don't have to clean yourself up. You come to him just as you are. And with heads bowed and eyes closed, I don't know who this is for, but you say, Pastor Robert, on this first Sunday of the year, I need a new me, and I'm giving Jesus my life today. Today, you can mark it in a calendar and say, on January 1, 2020, right in a new decade, I made a decision to change my life forever. Bishop, would you just lift up your hand to say, I'm giving him my life today. Thank you, God. Thank you, Jesus. Yeah, I see those hands. Lift it up and put it right back down. Hallelujah. Can we pray this prayer as one big family? We're all going to say it. 
especially if you responded. Come on, let's declare this prayer with those that lifted up their hands. Say, dear Jesus, thank you so much for loving me enough to pay the price for my sin to get me unstuck. Jesus, I know I can't save myself. I can't fix myself. I need you. So today, I confess with my mouth and believe in my heart that Jesus, you are Lord. You're my Lord. So from this moment forward, I am walking with you. I give you permission to wreck my routines. I give you permission to lead me to new open doors. I give you my life. From this moment forward, I'm yours. In Jesus' name, amen, amen, amen. Come on, give God the best praise you got, word of life. Oh, come on, you can do better than that. Come on, let's give Jesus some praise. God bless you.